Welcome in, everyone. Welcome back to the Creighton Volleyball Rapid Podcast. We are your hosts, Matt DeMarinas and Megan Epperson. Um, here to recap Creighton's Blue Jay Invitational title run this weekend in Omaha. The Jays beat Ball State in five, LSU in three, Northern Iowa in four. And yeah, there's just a lot to dissect, both from the team standpoint. I think the energy in the gym was something worth noting. And then we'll obviously look ahead to the upcoming week slash weekend. It's a big week for the Jays. It's a short week for the Jays. They have a midweek match this week uh, against in-state rival Nebraska down in Lincoln. So we'll touch on that and get you kind of a preview of two matches they'll play at Baxter Arena this weekend at the UNO tournament as well. Only five non-cons left. Uh, It's funny in volleyball because it's just like you feel like you see the schedule, right, Megan? And then you're like, whoa, there's a lot of fun matchups in there, you know? And then they all just come together, like just rapid fire, and then they're gone. So uh, It goes fast. I think the tournaments pack it all in really quick. For sure. I think the three in three days is working out all right. Like, uh, I think we're seeing some good volleyball. I know, I think there were a few coaches that probably didn't like the first weekend, but I just think that's the first weekend, you know? I think they're just... It's new to them, so they're kind of cranky about having to adjust their norms a little bit. But I think the volleyball this weekend was really good, and I think the three days, like three matches in three days as opposed to three and two is a lot. I think we're seeing better volleyball. Small sample size, so still observing that, but that's what I got from this weekend. Um, Well, let's start with the Ball State match going all the way back to Friday night. That one, I think that one set the tone for the weekend because it started out as somewhat of a continuation of the things we talked about from the weekend prior, right? End game execution, um, maybe falling behind uh, a team that you probably should stay ahead of, I guess, if you think about it like that. And then, you know, we saw a response from the Jays. So let's just start with the Ball State match because I think that was, I don't know if there, if a Duke hangover is the right way to put it because you had a week in between, right? But we saw some things from Duke that we touched on on the last podcast that we saw again against Ball State, particularly not closing out um, set two, which came after a fairly convincing, you know, easy breezy kind of set one where, um, you know, there were, I guess it was, it was tight, but the Jays, once they got going midway through, it, it was a foregone conclusion. Set two where they lost that 24-22 lead, and it's funny that it was that 24-22 lead again because that was the same lead they blew twice against Duke in the, in sets two and three, I think. Um, so what were your impressions of how that thing started to play out against Ball State, especially after you saw that 24-22 ended up being a bugaboo again for the Jays? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a really tough position to be in. And we talked about how it can be a little bit frustrating when you're like, all right, we've just got to score a couple and they've got to, you know, go on a huge run even to catch us and tie it. And mm-hmm. you maybe see your confidence um, leave you a little bit as you see a team kind of easily catch, not easily, but catch up to you easier than you think it should be. Right. And um, yeah, and I think it kind of did kind of echo what they saw in that past weekend and they were trying to figure out how do we put away a game right and 
yeah so I think this was another moment for them a good teaching moment for sure of what do we need to do what do we need to do to execute like is there a different mindset we need at end game why are we in this position so um yeah I just think obviously it's good to be in those situations earlier in the season and hopefully figure it out and I think they showed that they maybe figured it out a little bit more than they did last weekend yeah I think the thing that was interesting is this one had a clear carryover like you saw the you the, the thing with Duke is they lost those leads, but I don't think any of those sets ever got away from them in the aftermath. So I don't know if necessarily those end game, um, you know, shortcomings affected their play against Duke when they lost set two against ball state, which then ended up being what the third, fourth game where they got the, tw- where they got the set point and lost it. Right. Cause they lost three, they lost three sets to do or two sets to Duke that where they had set point. So three straight set points where they lost the set. That's crazy, kind of when you think about it. Um, I th- and it affected them because they started getting blown out in set three. And I think that that was a clear, a clear indication to me observing that their confidence had kind of been shaken a little bit by the fact that they couldn't close out another set that they had under control. Right. So down 18 10 and set three against ball state and this is where i think the weekend changed because i know i you know coaches will never say like yeah we kind of just gave up a little bit but there is uh something in volleyball where like you will just kind of punt on a set and figure it's over and you'll just try to build momentum for the upcoming set right so you want to go on some runs you want to cut the lead a little bit you want to build some mojo back and even if you're not going to win that particular game, you want to get your confidence back for the next one. So Creighton made some subs. Uh, I think, you know, Nora Sis got a little error prone. Maybe um, it was starting to affect her confidence a bit. And so they uh, threw in Destiny Adam Simpson, true freshman, her first her first action of the season. Um, she did not play the weekend prior. They're down 18-10, and it, honestly, they didn't win the set. So, again, it's one of those things where it didn't change the outcome of that particular game, but it changed the outcome of the match, don't you think? Like, they outscored uh, they outscored um, Ball State. Sorry, I blew up on their name for a second. They outscored Ball State, you know, 11-7 the rest of the set, and they got rolling in set four um, out to a pretty comfortable lead as well. So I think Destiny's energy her spark i mean it wasn't like she was just starting to get kills everywhere either like she came in and made a dig in the on a backcourt like deep shot uh she took a hard aggressive swing that got a kill on a cross-court ball um she had a block touch that was you know that brought some momentum to the team i i think it's just even though it probably didn't uh, look obvious in the stat sheet it felt obvious from the energy standpoint don't you think Yeah, and I think they've been in that situation where they're kind of looking for that spark. And we saw that late in these later matches, too, after this Ball State game of, all right, like, we're in the middle of a set. Are we going to maybe come back? Like, we're going to try our best, right? But it's like, realistically, we might not catch them. And you need those people to come in and kind of provide a spark of energy, just some new energy, too. Um, And I know we've talked about this in previous years. Like, sometimes it has to be people that, only play right like a ds plays only three rotations in the back or a middle comes in and plays their three rotations in the front like 
it's just a little bit of new energy. And especially when you have time on the bench to maybe soak up like what's happening and just process things a little bit more. And you're not like in there trying to do that. I think it's helpful. And I think we even saw Creighton do that with Kendra Wade a little bit later this weekend, like pull her off. Okay. Let's chat about what we need to do. Let's try to get some new energy. And then we had new energy and they went on runs without their setter in there. Who's usually in there full time. So I think those can be really beneficial and you have such a deep team too with this Creighton team that you can trust a lot of people to come in um, and bring a spark or just bring some new energy, bring something different that the defense on the other side doesn't maybe know anything about them, right? And you saw that with Destiny. She came in. There's no scouting report on her at all, right? Like she, this is her first time ever live in a match playing for Creighton. So teams aren't sure what to do. And sometimes that can be kind of like a secret weapon too. And to see her perform pretty well was was really cool and obviously helped build her confidence too. Yeah, hundred percent. And honestly, you you touched on a great point there because it wasn't the only time that Creighton brought in, you know, a true frosh for their for their. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was I can't remember if Ava T and and Audrey played last weekend or not, but they brought in freshmen and just like plugged them in middle of a set. You know, it's going one way, and like they either changed the complexion of it or steadied it. So I think I want to I do want to touch on that later because I think it's part of a part of a whole picture for that freshman class that they've had so far through the first two weekends. Um, but destiny, no question changed this ball state match. I don't know if, I mean, I, the Jays have a lot of veterans and they've won a lot of big time matches. So it's it, counting them out down two one uh, isn't probably isn't wise in their own gym. Right. But I, I struggle to see where, Anywhere, anywhere else besides Destiny coming in and making energy plays and providing a spark that immediately flipped a switch, like because their play changed and it was kind of unexpected, like you said, because Destiny hadn't played yet, so you don't really know what she's kind of capable of under the lights yet. She hasn't done it, so and that, but but then you see, you know, Nora Sis, who obviously was frustrated, like you could see it. You know, on her face like you could feel it in the gym so she takes a seat you know she has a chat with angie um just kind of gets her head right she goes back to the to the you know her teammates on the back of the bench and kind of just starts getting into the match with you know her energy and encouragement and you know getting like cheering on the players who are on the court right then she comes back into the match and like super clean the rest of the night like eight kills i think two errors and one of the errors like her like hoe was just barely on that ten foot line on a back row kill that you know a millimeter back and that's a that's a I mean she put that thing on the floor so it wasn't like the swing was off it was the only thing that was bad about it was you know her foot was just barely on the line for an error so she was super clean super aggressive like superstar Nora right um, down the stretch so the reset helped her. And so Destiny coming in and studying that, providing a spark and letting Nora have kind of a reset, it's big for the Jays because, you know, that can go really, really sideways. Then if you have to take your stud out and you're already down eight and you are you already blew a set in the previous game. And so if, if Destiny isn't able to spark that thing and get some kind of a run going to end game three off on a good note, then you're, you know, your, your climb is, a, is much steeper out of that hole than it would have been had she not done what she did, you know? 
Yeah, I think that's true. And I think, I mean, that's another thing, the depth of the team and having people that you trust to go in and make a positive impact. You know, obviously there's there's times where you want to say your your um, bench is really deep, but I think in those situations it shows, right? Like you have to prove that, that yes, like somebody can come in and like score, you know, and just get kills. And I don't think that's always the case, right? It's hard to have, you know, a third outside who you really trust to go in there and carry a heavy load and for her to come in do that um, and just help the team. And like you said, like they didn't get the set win, right? But the momentum changed. And that's Mm -hmm. a big, big deal, obviously for volleyball, because things are just back and forth all the time. And then you saw in the fourth set, I mean, they killed them in that set, right? So it's just, you saw that momentum and that just really carried through the end of the match. Yeah. And and they honestly killed them in the fifth set too, as much as you can (laughs) dominate a fifth, you know? So it really was like, as soon as Destiny came in, the whole thing changed. Um, but Nora is in, in well, the, the, to bank off your point there a little bit about having a deep bench, that sometimes that is just kind of coach speak because you kind of want to like send a, an encouraging kind of reverberation through your bench so they don't kind of check out on the season, right? If they're like, eh, I'm not going to play, like, I don't have a, I don't have an impact on this team. Like, I'm just basically going to be a cheerleader in some respect. Like, and it goes through any sport, right? Like, you have to make sure you're, second unit excuse me is kind of like engaged because you never know you do truly never know when it's time for that one of them to step up and change you know the complexion of a game or a match or help out in some way or alter their role and i think i think we've heard now a couple times about the death of this creighton team this weekend we saw it and we're going to talk about it tonight on the podcast but we saw it in in tangible like objective play so it's not just i don't think it's coach speak with this team i think there is legitimate reason to believe that this might be one of the deeper teams that creighton's ever had i think it's and honestly i said it yesterday i think it's the deepest one i've recovered so and that goes back to 2013 so i feel like it's it's more there's more truth to it than it is just a narrative that a coach is maybe trying to feed that into the into the team to make them all kind of stay engaged right one question I had about this match in particular with Nora Sis coming back in and changing the way kind of her match was going. Would you see in in maybe a difference in the way she she was going about it that allowed her to be, you know, more terminal as opposed to more error prone? Did anything um, technical change with you, or did you just th- did you just think it was maybe like a mindset reset that that helped her just kind of be aggressive and? And then once you got a kill, the confidence kind of grew. Yeah, I almost feel like it was that that point of like she just felt like she couldn't score, right? And she gets one and you kind of just kind of get back into that confident, like swing away, change up your shots and do what you do. And I think sometimes if you're struggling in a couple points, you know, lead to errors or not really scoring as easily as you're used to, right? those things can just kind of get in your head. And I think she came back and she just had a fresh mindset of like, all right, it's a new, it's a new game, right? Like let's just act like nothing happened before. And we're just going to work our way back into it. And obviously her teammates trust her, her coaches trust her. um, And that's, you know, credit to her being taken out and then just being able to kind of like jump back in. I think that says a lot about her personality and her character as well. Like not getting down on herself, but instead just kind of attacking that and coming back in and saying, I can make a positive impact. And that can be hard if you get pulled and you're frustrated and you're struggling and 
But for her, like she does carry the team a lot of the times, right? So she knows that she's capable of it. And sometimes just being reminded of that and even being reminded of like, hey, like this is what I saw on the bench or, you know, maybe even she saw it or she had teammates kind of point out, oh, like there's a big hole in the middle, right? Like this is a great time for a roll shot in this rotation. Just being able to see things when you're not in the game sometimes is, is nice. Like even me, like I like sitting at the back where I can see the defenses shift and like where the blockers are set up and that sort of thing. Just like seeing those things a little bit farther back instead of like in live action can be really helpful at times. So you've talked about that a lot for sure. I think, you know, the one thing that was interesting about this match, and coaches say this a lot after five setters because their team has just dug deep. They've battled fatigue. They've, you know, battled adversity where they lose sets and have to, you know, rally. Uh, where five setters kind of always kind of reveal, they always kind of teach you more about yourself than maybe you had even known in the gym, like, because you just can't simulate the pressure of a five setter, right? Um, but I actually do think this match against Ball State has a, a a long, might have a long ripple effect for Creighton because because of the way it had to be won. Like Ball State isn't the they're not the sexiest like name in the world. If you say Ball State volleyball, it's not like you know like you don't just strike fear into someone by saying that name. But you know they're the MAC preseason favorites. Um. They were an NCAA tournament team last year. They brought back three first-teamers, and they were fifth in the country last year in digs per set. So, like, this team could defend. And I think that's what this match kind of settled into was, like, it's hard to score out there, so don't kind of let it rattle you. Just just fight through it and find a way, you know? Because you see this way this – I mean, 82 to 81 was the dig battle. Creighton actually won it. But that's just insane. Like, even for a five-setter, that's a lot of digs, you know what I mean? Like, they were getting balls up, like, all the way to the roof, all the way to the ceiling. Um, just doing anything they could to keep the ball from hitting the floor. And I think that's kind of what the match settled into. So, you know, Nora Sis probably isn't going to be happy with eight attackers. Like, Ava Martin's not going to be happy with nine attackers. But, like, it was hard to score out there. And I think the fact that they were able to, you know, finally get settled in and just understand that and then find a way to win the match, I think it's big for them. So, you know, you won't normally look for you know Ball State to be the the one match that kind of revealed a lot about yourself. I don't think if you looked at the schedule that Creighton's going to play upcoming and last weekend, that this would be the match you'd think like, oh, this probably showed a lot of people what Creighton's truly capable of because they had to win in different ways. But I think this match didn't like because they it could have gone sideways real bad because this was a again it carried over from Duke and it clearly shook their confidence because they were starting to get rolled in three. And then, you know, you insert Destiny to Dom Simpson. She she provides a spark. Nora Sis has a reset. She figures out a way to be effective the rest of the match. And Creighton just kind of takes over. But I think they got a lot better on Friday night against Ball State. And even though they might not have been expecting it, you know. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Like figuring out a way to win and to go from the Duke game to this game, but you figured it out in this game. So, you know, it's kind of a little bit of progress, hopefully for the team and for the coaches of, okay, we were in this situation. We weren't really able to rally and figure it out, but here we are the next weekend. We're in a similar situation, right? Like our backs are against the wall, our stud outside hitters struggling, you know, both of the outsides didn't hit both of them. Yeah. great percentages, right? Like, those are our go-to people. Um, so for them to figure it out and just find a way to win and to insert different people, 
Mm -hmm. and have them come in and make really big impacts, I think is huge. And that just shows the growth even between hopefully, you know, the week to week, just getting a little bit better. It's crazy because you wouldn't think of growth as something that happens in a short term window. Right. But it, you, but I think there was something we saw this weekend that shows that it does kind of happen incrementally, right. That they, you just get, what's the mentality, the 1% better each day kind of yeah. thing. Is that what the, the phrasing goes? Like it just felt like Creighton got incrementally better this weekend than they were the last weekend. Right. Yeah. Even like set to set, I think like you can show that right in this mm. game. Like, I think you even saw growth in that short amount of time between, I don't yeah. know, the half hour the second set took and the, the half it's hour. Crazy. The set. It's just like, okay, well let's see the growth. And I think you saw it and then they were able to maintain it then for the two last sets, which was really nice to actually see it like prolonged, right. To have that success from yeah. set four and five. Yeah. I think, I think Pearson said it after the match, like we're figuring out who we are. Like, you know what I mean? So I think it's, tr- I think it's true because you saw them, you saw them carry over from last weekend and then change like in the match, you saw a change. So I think it's true that they're, they figured out something from a, from a mindset standpoint. And we'll talk about that because they, they did ultimately reveal what it is. I think after LSU is when they told us what, what the mentality shift was. Um, So we'll talk about that next for the LSU match. Man, they came out like just killed LSU in game one. And I, you know, going into the weekend, I don't know how you feel about this. So I'll ask you like, when Creighton's playing teams, the teams that I'm always super confident that they're going to beat and less confident that it's that it could turn into a five setter and possibly could not go the Jays' way, like the teams that I think ball handle and defend really well are teams, even though they might not have physicality. I think those are teams like, you know, Northern Iowa, uh, like Lipscomb, um, like Seton Hall, like, you know, eight, ten years ago or whatever. Um, I feel like those are teams. Well, I have to, I'm just being honest. Those are teams I feel like the, I could see a dogfight happening, you know, because if they're on their game and they're making it hard for Creighton to get kills and, and score points, like I can see, you know, those teams kind of winning some long rallies and getting some momentum and getting some confidence and kind of like, Putting Jason, putting Creighton on the back foot a little bit. So those are games I think that are just like kind of not toss ups, but I could see it going, you know, not three zero easy money, you know. And then there's teams that have physicality and defense, which are obviously like uphill battles. Like that's mm-hmm. where you have to play your A game to give yourself a chance, and then you know you have to be clutch at end game to to pull out some sets, right? The teams that I have like no concern whatsoever, any point in time that Creighton's going to absolutely roll are teams that are just purely physical and don't really have like great ball handling, great defense, like that aren't super consistent from the service line. Like they just have like, you know, really good athletes who can kill, who get like dominant kills. They can hit the ball hard. You know, it's not going to be an easy match because defensively that's tough to deal with from a, if from a physicality standpoint, because you know, you do feel them when they're hitting balls at you. But I just felt like this was the easiest match of the weekend for the Jays because LSU didn't exhibit any ability to kind of handle the ball handle at Creighton's level, to defend at Creighton's level, to serve at Creighton's level. So basically it was just like, we're going to try to out-physical you, and Creighton has physicality to match that because they're really good on the pins. They have great middle blockers, um, and Kendra's a really physical setter too. So I just I thought this was going to be the easy match and first set turned out to be kind of like that's how it was like Creighton just rolled them 
by serving them off the, you know, off the court, essentially their first contacts were much cleaner, much better uh, defensively. They were making things really hard on LSU, particularly from your favorite area of the floor or of the matches blocking. Like the block touches were so sideways in this match. Um, I think LSU through maybe midway through three had three, like what I consider block touches where Creighton had to kind of deal with something there. And Creighton had like 20. Like, so the blocking was way lopsided. Um, and then, you know, the ball handling part of it and the serving part of it were also in way in Creighton's favor. So, like, when you're just talking about all LSU had was physicality and then Creighton had was checking all these other boxes, that's how the first two sets were as kind of as easy and clean as they looked, right? For sure. And I think your thought process there is completely like in line with mine. Like, if it's just yeah. a physical team, I think. Creighton's too good all around to kind of handle that, right? And I think the yeah. the top teams in the country are exactly like that. They have great defenders, they have great blockers, they have great offense, and those are like the top top teams. And the teams that are trying to break into that sometimes have the physical players and the people that'll get huge swings, but defensively it's not quite there. Defense and serve receive passing, I would say it's not quite there for a lot of teams. And I thought LSU showed that. And then in the third set, they just went like gangbusters offensively, and it was. Right. Just completely different game right so it was just Mm -hmm. a tale of two games kind of for lsu and then creighton's like okay what the heck's going on like this team didn't show up in the first two sets so yeah it's a bit of an adjustment for sure but that set that 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 third set was crazy um and it goes into what i want to talk about about the energy in the gym because you know you're seeing each team kind of save set points i think there were seven saved set points in that in game three alone so um you know each team kind of had a chance to clinch it and then um, you know, Creighton had to come back again. Like they're down 18, 10, uh, you know, and we saw them kind of like chip away at ball state in two. So we talked about like incremental, incremental, like steps where you like get a little bit better over the weekend. So they didn't win the ball state set, but they made it interesting, right? This one, they won down 18, 10. I'm telling you like, that's Megan, you know, like that's hard. So that's a wrap. You know, when you're dealing with a team that's confident, that's getting kills, that's that's in rhythm offensively, and you're down 18-10, you just have to hope you can go on a couple scoring runs um, to make it, you know, to give yourself some mojo for what you're expecting to be is another game, right? But Creighton didn't. They just kept rolling. Like, they just went on. They, they, they had passing got a lot better. So I think that was part of what went a little bit sideways early in game three was that ball was just a little bit too far off the net. Kendra was having to run around a lot more than she was in the first two sets. And then, you know, once Creighton kind of got settled in down big where I don't know if LSU maybe thought it was a wrap. Um, and that's maybe why Creighton was able to kind of seize a little bit in the middle there and then carry that momentum. But they just started passing a lot cleaner, you know, a lot more twos and threes, a lot more Kendra on the net, a lot more in-system volleyball. And, you know, then their kills just piled on. I mean, they had it was a 32-30 set. And they had 26 kills. I mean, that's earning points. Like, 26 out of your 32 points are off kills. I mean, first of all, you have to be you have to be great at passing. You got to be in system a lot, and your termination rate has to be crisp. I mean, that's a that's a that's a gaudy number. 26 kills in the rally scoring era. Like, what what did you make of Creighton's comeback and how? how fueled it was by the fundamentals of what you talk about kind of every week on this pod about how Creighton gets in system and how they terminate. 
Yeah, I mean, I think at that point, right, it's like do do everything you can. So the passes are like, all right, let's give us the best pass we can get. And then, I mean, Audrey Clark was also huge when she got subbed into that set and started off a run there. And I think that added another spark. I think that's another, you know, instance of somebody coming in and making a really positive impact. Um, at LSU, obviously, it's a different setter. So sometimes that can mess with defenses. Like, we don't really know what she likes, right? Like, we don't know if she wants to set the middle if she's off the net or she's going to reverse it a lot or she's going to throw it to the outside of 10. So I think that was an interesting, like, thing to, to see, right? Like, I just wasn't really expecting her to pull Kendra. I was like, oh, they'll probably just, you know, this set's a wrap. Like, we'll see what happens next set. You know, like, even me as a fan, I'm like, okay, like, there is probably not much room here. Just with how LSU was playing, but Creighton fundamentally cleaned it up, and I think that's what you have to do. And like we said, like, even if you're not going to win the set, you got to get better. And so that fourth set, especially if they went to that, they would have just needed to be clean and get everybody in system, have all of your offensive options because LSU just seemed to really turn it up a notch in that third set. And then we saw that set obviously go down to the wire, 32-30. This weekend was crazy having multiple sets in the 30s. I can't remember ever (laughs) seeing a weekend like that. So just, you know, they battled. And I think obviously you want to maybe take care of the set earlier, but to see them battle and come back, like you said, that growth from – not being able to catch up in that ball state set. And then to this, them just saying, all right, like backs against the wall, we're going to do everything we can and we're going to try to win it right here and right now. I think that was a cool jump to see as well. Yeah. And I think there's, it goes back to something I think John Cook said one time about, I think, I can't remember what, but they had, they had a, a, a comeback against uh, Creighton. I can't remember what year it was, but I think Creighton had them down four, kind of like, Right in end game territory, maybe not at end game, but the the mindset was basically just two for one. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it's not a side out game, but it's two for one. Like we have to score, we have to get, you know, some serving runs going. And if they get if they get a point, whether it's a block or a kill or an error on our part, we have to get it right back. Like two for ones kind of thing. And you saw Nora Sis go on a couple uh, go on a serving run. You saw Ellie Bolton, Audrey Clark, you mentioned her. Like that's how Creighton kind of chipped away at this. Like they made when LSU scored, they made it an isolated incident, essentially, you know, like, all right, 18-10, we're not going on a 15-0 run here, but we can beat them to, we can maybe beat them to 25 or to 28, you know what I mean? Like, make it make it tight at end game, and then all of a sudden, maybe the pressure shifts to the point where it's like, they look up at the scoreboard and think, how did, how are we at end game trading set points here when we had them, you know, minus eight and like, you know, looking for sparks off the bench, right? That changes like your mindset when you put the pressure on LSU to deal with a lead and deal with losing it and have it to execute. And now, you know, we have our swagger back. We're playing confident. We're nailing passes left and right. We're getting Kendra on the net. You know, our our hitters are in system and confident. We're getting kills all over the floor. Like that's kind of how this one played out. And I think the energy in the gym felt it too because every point was just deafening in there, you know? So I think Creighton fed off that to a degree. Um, And yeah, like once the kills just started piling up, that's kind of how they just kept playing the rest of the set. And they eventually won the race to, to set point slash match point in this one, but 32 30, it was wild. Um, Every, every ball in the air was like, take your breath away. You know, like (laughs) that's what you love as a player though. Right. Those are the moments. Like when you know, you know, this ball is is big time and like you can feel the energy like as as a hitter kind of goes up for it, the energy's like 
It's like a gasp, you know? It's like when that three ball goes in the air and you're like, you know, the anticipation of whether it's going to be a kill or not. And then you put it down and then that jubilation, like the build, the roof blows off the place. Like, what's that like as a player? What do you think Creighton's team was experiencing from an energy standpoint as they pulled off that rally and the gym was like, like gangbusters? Yeah, I think, I mean, those are the cool like situations to be in. Like you said, as a player, like those are the times where, you have people that are super competitive, obviously. And so you you hopefully have people that want the ball, right? You have people fighting over like, no, set me. And they want to get the kill. So if you're in that situation, I think you just got to go for it. And I think we saw people take big swings on both sides, which was nice to see. Like they didn't get into a tipping and rolling game much, right? Yeah. Like it was people going for it. And I think like that's what's fun, especially as a fan. Like it's such a tight game, but people are going out and competing and using all of their athleticism to have big swings and you know swing smart, but just like put away kills and really go for it. And yeah, it's cool. Obviously, to be at home too. I think Creighton, like the size of the gym and everything, and just the attendance too this weekend, I thought was really good for all the matches. Honestly, I thought it was loud in there. Um, yeah, so it's cool. Cool to have your like home crowd behind you and just the place erupts, like you said, mm-hmm. when those points kind of go down to the wire. And just with how that set went, I think two fans obviously are like kind of right in the third set off. Like, and then they're like, oh, we're back in it, right? And that's kind of like the, oh, you know, like we're really let's invested. Pull, let's, in let's, let's, yeah, let's try to push them over the yeah. finish line, right? Yeah. What do you make of Creighton's efficiency in this match? What do you think? Uh, I mean, we kind of like talked about it a little bit because LSU is a really physical team, but maybe not the greatest defensive team especially if, you know, if you get the ball over the net, right, like get past their block. But, I mean, it's it's crazy to look at this one on paper because you have all three outsides. Destiny played right side in this one, hitting 350-plus, and then you have both your middles hitting 500. Like, dang, you know, that's that's a that, that was a show offensively. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. I think at one point I was trying to, like, keep up with how high the hitting percentages were, especially for the outsides, just because I was, like, she's at 400 you know she's yeah. at whatever like it's just as an outside it's and usually nuts. like one's on but like you know one's yeah. off like it's it's hard to see both at 350 and then you throw on a right side that's doing it too i mean the termination rate in this match is insane it was nuts honestly and i think i mean the first two sets especially like creating passed really well and i thought had really good parody and you saw that from the amount of attempts you know the middles got and everything in the hitting efficiencies but yeah it, it was awesome to see honestly and just confident builder like for the players too right if you're able to get big swings and get a lot of kills and be efficient I think those are things that make you want to go for it and then when you're in the third set and it's tight you're like I can do this right like you've played all match and you're you're hitting well I mean all the hitters really were really efficient so I don't know it just it was an interesting match very different from the other two matches this weekend obviously just based on the opponent and defense and all that kind of stuff um Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just was played differently. And I thought Creighton rose to the occasion, especially offensively. Yeah. And the other part of it I wanted to ask you about to kind of get your some inside volleyball was the blocking. Cause that was to me from the start of the match, I was like, Phew. you know, and, and, I, you know, <laughs> block touches are a little fickle, right? I think you know that. Like just getting a touch on it isn't always the su- most super effective thing a blocker can do, right? But Creighton's touches were really effective. I mean, they were. Sometimes the ball would have to go back to LSU's side and they'd have to kind of reset the offense and, you know, and get their hitters back into alignment, get them back into the pattern and um, and find a way to, you know, kind of get around those blockers. But what did you make of, like, Creighton's block touches and how consistent they were? I think, you know, as I was tracking it, like, 
I lost track late in three because three it was just a madhouse in there. But you know, at one point when Creighton was really rolling, you know, like I said, they had twenty like objective block. Like that's a block touch. Like that's 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 either going straight to a a DS for an easy pass or it's back on LSU side of the net and they're having to handle it. Um, they're having to cover. You know, like what did you make of Creighton's ability to block so consistently? Um, from a setup standpoint, from an execution standpoint, how did you think that was such a big factor for them early on in this match? Yeah, I thought it was a huge factor. Um, obviously, like you said, it's not something that's always tracked, right? But those block touches and positive block touches are like when that ball can be tracked down by a defender, right? And passed to the middle of the court, typically. So I thought they had a ton of those. And I know you were statting in at one time. I think you texted me and said it was like 18 to three at one point or something. Yeah, and I was bad. just like, yeah, okay, yeah. that's showing. Like, I would believe it, right? Just being mm-hmm. there at the gym. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was huge, obviously. It just, it slows things down and they have physical hitters. And I think that's their one like big weapon, right? Like if I'm scouting LSU, I'm like, all right, they have a, they have a, a lot of options and they have physical, physical hitters. So if you don't slow down that ball, it's going to be harder to defend and low percentage pass, right? Like it's going to be hard. For to, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, Creighton has really good defense, I think all around and, you know, in every spot in the backcourt, but still like slowing that ball down and just be able to be like, yep, here you go. Like basically a free ball, you know, at points, um, is just so beneficial and it allows you to put that ball on the net, put it on Kendra's head, allow her to be an offensive option, allow the middles to get involved in transition. It just, it opens everything up and then makes it harder for LSU defensively, which maybe isn't their strong suit anyways. So I think it exposed a lot of gaps and we saw that in their lack of block touches, not really being able to get in front of a lot of those balls. Yeah, for sure. I, it's just one of those things where like the, the, I just think the numbers aren't, the numbers lie a little bit to you, right? Because you look at you look at blocks from Creighton LSU and you see seven to six, and you figure either it was not a factor in the match or it was basically even. It was not even, like it wasn't. <laughs> like the ace blocks, the ace blocks lied in this one because Creighton was a dominant blocking team, and I and it was the reason they rolled in in sets one especially, and then set two, and then there was another reason they got it going late again after LSU had been terminating in a pretty high clip early in three to build the big lead. You know, Creighton kind of made some adjustments on tendencies, um, you know, started making LSU a little more predictable with the serving. Um, and then they got their block going again late in that set as well. So, like, yeah, it seven to six is not tell does not tell an accurate story of how that how that match played out from a blocking standpoint. Um, Northern Iowa match, like no, you're no stranger to this team. Like, you know they're scrappy, mm-hmm. you know, um, they have some physicality, but it's probably edge Creighton in that one. Uh, but th- again, this is a team that can, that again, they handle the ball really well. They defend like crazy. They serve well, you know, their first contacts are good. Um, so you like, it's, it, you figure it's going to be a dog fight. And it was like, you know, every set, I, it, it just felt like no one's getting away from anybody in this one. You know what I mean? It's going to be one of those like back and forth the whole time, you know, pressure packed, uh, down the stretch, you're going to have to execute. You're going to have to be locked in and focused and not let the moment get too big for you. So, you know, when you look at 44 ties and 20 lead changes and four setter, like not a five setter, just a four setter, that's a ton. Um, what stands out to you about how this one played out and how Creighton ended up, you know, they, they've had their number for a few years now, but, you know, what are some of the things, what, what boxes did Creighton check in this one to, to get over the hump? 
and and um put down the Panthers again. Yeah, man, I thought you and I looked really good. I guess that was the, my one like first impression. I think the last couple of years they maybe didn't have like all the offense, and they've always been a great defensive team. But I think this year, man, they've got a lot of really good offensive options and. Like you said, they're really well coached and everything, and you just come to expect a really good match when you play them. But I thought Creighton honestly just matched like the tenacious defense of you and mm. I, and I think that's one of the tenets for you and I that's always there. Um, but Creighton, I thought held their own, and mm. the digs, I mean, I thought were comparable mismatch, and they were really just like going to battle, and I think that was fun to see. I think it's fun to see really like fundamentally sound teams all the way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah the LSU match we saw okay the defense and that sort of thing maybe isn't isn't their thing but you and I I mean they have weapons just like Creighton has and I think that's what makes Mm. for such a back and forth match is I mean even the last point of the last set yesterday you and I was like sprawling into the you know the stands to get a ball they almost get it over you know like those sorts of things like that happened the entire match yep and those are really fun to watch just people going after it and you know Kendra Waits somebody that's known for just throwing her body around and I thought I mean you and I does that a lot of their players do that as well and yeah. so did Green yesterday I mean everyone was just like fighting for every point and it just makes it really fun to watch how do you prepare yourself for that like when you know you know, when you play a team that you know is kind of one note, one dimensional the day before, and then, you know, you come back on a third day and you're like, all right, this one's going to be, was it, what did uh, Booth say? She said, we're going to have to get two kills for every point, essentially. And, it, you know, it's not, it's not true, but like, it's in a sense, you have to like, when you get the, when you think the first ball's down, it's not getting down because Northern Iowa is going to find a way to get that up. Like, what kind of a mindset do you have to be in? To prepare yourself for that kind of a, a slugfest where you know points are going to be all well earned and you're going to fight your way out of everything to earn you know to get to 25 essentially yeah I think you just have to be prepared to transition like swing away and, and try to get that kill right the first time but be prepared for them to even throw an arm out and even put a free ball over or get a really good attack and a kill that was a kill yesterday is probably not a kill today, right? Like, that's the thing for people. It's like, oh, I took a great approach, great swing. Somehow they got it up, right? And you and I yesterday even had one, like Creighton did the opposite to them, where you and I started celebrating. Creighton gets a ball over, and you're they're like, oh, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's that type of game where you just cannot, yeah. like, until that whistle is blown, you just can't doubt that somebody's going to throw an arm, an elbow off of someone's head, right? Like any of those things, like it's that sort of team that like never say die, right? Like I will go to the wall. I will dive into things to get the ball up. And I mean, it was fun to see, like, it's crazy too, because it was 92 digs for both of these teams. Yeah. In four sets. Four sets. It is absolutely nuts. But I just, I was impressed on both ends with the defense. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, Creighton won the blocking battle quite significantly, which was fun mm-hmm. to see too. They kind of went off. Anne Marie Remis, especially, I know she had a lot of really big blocks at big times. And all around, I thought Creighton just matched, right? Like they knew they were playing a great defensive team. And they're like, we need to play great defense this game too, right? And the offense for both teams, I thought was good too. But defense, especially in like this sort of game, I just thought was so important. Yeah. Anne Marie had one crazy block too, where she was, she actually was, it was out of system. She was the setter. So she went from setting to I think I think you and I got a block touch on it, so it came back over the net, and then um, Creighton had to send a free ball over. 
So Amory went from setting to turning right around again and was isolated one-on-one with a quick set and got a solo block out of it. Like that was incredible. And you know how hard that is to pull off, right? When you're, when you go from back to the net to then you're, you know, trying to access your muscle memory for your blocking training. And then you're one-on-one with a middle blocker, you know, facing tempo. Then you get a block out of that. How huge is that when that happens? Like when you get a solo stuff on a quick set like that? Yeah, those are just momentum shifters, I think. And she was involved in a lot of those, I thought. Like momentum shifting blocks and things where they really needed. Like we talked about, this game was so back and forth. And so you have those big points and it's just like almost a little bit of a sigh of relief, right, for Creighton. Like it's that excitement that you need and the crowd really gets into it and big blocks. Like there's nothing better, I think, as a player and for a fan, like to see a huge block in an isolated situation, especially like you said, like, the the hitter should win that right most of the time and f- for the blocker to come up with a huge block at that time and shift momentum that's just more confidence for Creighton and and she was she was really an integral part of a lot of those yeah she was humongous it's funny because like I don't you know when you look at Kiana and Anne Marie they've been so good offensively all season this was the one match where they weren't efficient from a hitting standpoint the blocking was huge I think that's a I think that's just big time because it shows that they're not one dimensional. It shows that it shows that they can have an off night offensively and still impact matches, which is big for them. Kiana, it's like less of a surprise. Like she had an outstanding season last year. So it's not a shock that she doesn't have to hit well to make an impact, right? Anne Marie for a sophomore, she's a sophomore, but essentially didn't play very much as a freshman. So, you know, hardly at all. So this is really kind of a an extended freshman season to a degree from a playing standpoint. So for her to have, you know, a subpar match from a termination standpoint and then affect the match as much as she did defensively, not only with her blocking, but she had some digs like that. You just don't see middles get, you know, usually those are balls that find a way either into the stands or, you know, you shank a pass because your middles in the back row from a serving standpoint. And it's just tough luck in that rotation, but she had five digs and, Came up with nine blocks, like that's big time, you know. She she was huge, even though her offense wasn't what it has been all season. So I think that's a big step for her too. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's good to see, and I think you and I has good parity too. I thought they trusted a lot of their hitters in situations, so they definitely weren't, you know, just predictable. I would say at any point, like I thought they really trusted people. They had backer attackers that they trusted, so. For her to block that well in a game where the team coming at you has a lot of options and trust people and is really well trained offensively at every position, I thought was really cool to see as well. So you brought up the anomaly earlier because, and I, 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 I tried asking Kirsten about this. You know, it's funny because you ask Kirsten things about like, you know, trying to, trying to see if she'll like give you a quote about some historical context, but she never. She never plays into the long-term, like the long-term memory kind of thing. Like, you know, back when we're trying to be like, hey, is Jaylee the best player? Jaylee Winters the best player you've ever coached. She would never be like, yeah, I mean, you know, she's really good at this, this, and this, but we've had some really good players before. She's just really, she's really calculated about like going too high with the superlatives and, you know, and, and the bulletin board stuff, you know? So I tried asking her if this was the best Blue Day Invitational ever, and she's just like, I don't know. You know, I think she's just tired of those kind of questions. <laughs> so it's like, I, I, I love her though. But 36-34 in set two for you and I, Creighton. After a 32-30 third setter against LSU. So basically, we saw we saw 30-point sets 
in two out of three games, essentially. Like, we'll go whole seasons and we won't see two 30-point games all season sometimes. Like, to have two in the same weekend in short succession, that's that's mind-blowing. I couldn't even believe it was happening. I'm like, how are we in another 30, like, bonus point game right now? This is craziness, wasn't it? Yeah, it was absolutely nuts. And I think that you and I game, just the energy when you're, when you know, you're past 30, past 25 and the place is going crazy and people are sitting there. Like, I don't know if I've ever played in a game that went 36, 34. You have, you've played. Have I? Yeah, 38, 36 at Butler. You played in that one. Oh, well, I don't remember clearly. I'm pretty sure you did. I think that was 2017, wasn't it? I would have been there, but. I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure you were a part of that one. I that's don't know. The long, that's the highest crazy. scoring set in Creighton history. Okay, well then I played in that, I guess. But <laughs> you know, see, that's what I mean. It's like don't even remember it. It's so... I don't. It's hard to remember it all. That's why Kirsten can't remember things. Like she doesn't remember like who played with who or this and that. Which I'm like, I get that because yeah, you had 13 kills, Hinkle. five digs, and four blocks uh, at Hinkle Fieldhouse in November 12, 2017. It was 38. You guys won. You guys won set two. You guys lost set one, 25 21, and then you won set two, 38 36. It was the highest scoring set in Creighton history. Wow. No memory of that at all? That. <laughs> like, I guess. No, I do not remember that at all. <laughs> it was all a blur. Yes. That's funny. Yeah. So, but yeah, th- I mean, two 30 point, 30 plus point sets in, in a matter of three sets in a weekend. Like, that's craziness. Like, just insanity. Yeah, it is. It was nuts, honestly. I mean, for it to be at home, too, like, just mm. the energy, like we said it before, just the energy for that set was just crazy. And both, like like I said, both teams, great offensively, great defensively, just it was really a battle, I think, and every skill was done at a really high level, which is what made it fun to see. Yeah, and I, I honestly, like, to the point about if it was the best legit or not like i understand like that's kind of hard to quantify especially because like you know i'm just being honest ball state lsu northern iowa that's not like the sexiest lineup that creighton's ever played against before so you know like i mean that that you and i usc kentucky tournament was always like good lord to face a national championship contender teams here like that was star studded you know so i get it but I mean, the level of volleyball and the energy in the gym, like those two combinations in general for me this weekend, then you throw in two 30-point sets, which you just don't see in the same season, let alone the same weekend. Um, the co- crazy comebacks, like Ball State in set two to come back and win that. Creighton, you know, to to come back down 18-10 against LSU and finish a sweep. Just, just incredible volleyball this weekend. Like, just insane. The sport's on fire right now. Like the the stuff we saw this weekend, you know, two thousand plus people packed in the gym, wall to wall. Like, you know, the energy they brought, the way they reacted to stuff. Like, that just it was it was crazy for this to be only two weeks into the season. I'm just I'm not prepared for this. Like, it's I need like a slow build up. This is craziness. Like, we're not even to the high stakes stuff yet. So, um, yeah, I I loved this weekend though. It was a lot of fun to to cover. Um. Where do I want to go next with this? I totally lost train train of thought. Oh, Ava Martin. Like we haven't really talked about her on this podcast yet. Um, speaking of like historical context, like Ava's on fire right now. Um, uh, and she's doing something that 
you know, there have been some greats in this program. I'm talking to one of them tonight, like, um, but no one's done what she's done, you know, like she has 103 kills through six matches. That's more than anyone in the history of this program has ever had through six matches. She's hitting 297 on top of it, like as an outside, like that's insane. Um, what's the, what, what is, what's a, what's Ava look like to you? This is a sophomore year, like jumping off pad. Like she's just getting going, right? Like second year in the program, second year in college volleyball, you know, that 22 kill match in the Big East tournament title match against Marquette kind of looks like, you know, a springboard into what we should start to be, uh, you know, uh, grow accustomed to seeing from her. Right. Cause she hasn't come down from that since she did that, you know, she had a pretty solid match against Auburn in the NCAA tournament when she wasn't even being set by Kendra. Like she had, she had a different setter in that match, you know, and then now she's like 14 kills against Loyola, 15 against Purdue, hit over 250 in both matches, 20 kills against two, hit over 400. Um, you mentioned, you know, the Ball State one where she was a little bit more error prone, but she still had 16 kills. Then she comes back, 16 kills against LSU, hits 364. 22 kills against Northern Iowa, which ties her career high. Only needs four sets to do it. Hits 396. Like, dang. <laughs> we're, we're watching like a star become a star right now, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I She was my pick for MVP of this weekend. Same. Same. To be totally yeah. honest, which I love Norris Stason, obviously. It's a little bit different because Nora passes and plays defense and everything. But for sure, just especially the last, you know, two sets of this weekend I just she was unstoppable and I just was like I mean it's crazy I think they tried to make adjustments and they still couldn't stop her in both yeah, of them. she had 11 kills she had 11 kills no errors in the last two sets against Northern Iowa yeah, yeah. like just nuts it's like insane. those numbers insane. are insane like yeah. she was for an outside like, that's crazy. like for yeah. almost the entire match like I was yeah. watching on the stat broadcast and like she's like she's over 400 just constantly right and then it's, yeah it never did settled right. in a little bit below but Man, yeah, it was just it was crazy. I thought she had a phenomenal weekend and is playing really confidently, I think, and really consistently, which is something mm -hmm. they need. And I think Nora has had some moments where she's maybe not as consistent, but Ava has been like that consistent like kill getter for Creighton yeah. so far this season. What do you make of the way she does it too? Because that's the one thing that like is noticeable. And the coaches have mentioned it too, like that Ava and Nora are different. And the way they go about getting kills like Ava is just a uh, like a psychopath in terms of when like ha she goes after her hands like so relentlessly you know uh -huh. and usually that's like that's kind of like scary territory for a hitter right because if you're not quite hitting the ball where it needs to be that thing's coming back in your face if you're going after hands the whole time right like you can get roofed really easily and then like it shakes your it rattles your confidence a little bit right because like dang I, if I'm not if that's my bread and butter and they're blocking that it's a tough tough day you know like, what do you make of Ava's uh, willingness to kind of go after hands as, as as often as she's been doing? Not only that, to terminate at a high clip while doing so. Yeah, I think that's something that she's even gotten better at since last year. I think, I mean, there's there were points this weekend where a ball was set too tight and she goes up and tips it like off the blocker's hand and like swipes it off their hands, goes high hands. I mean, she can hit a really sharp angle inside that block she did that for a while against LSU and they couldn't stop her and yeah I just think I mean she even roll shots too like she she has kind of perfected every you know shot she can take I think and she does it 
you know, without worrying about making an error. And I think for some players, especially if you're an outside and you carry a lot of load, like you can get into a thing of this ball's, you know, maybe not in the best situation for me to take a really hard swing. And I think she goes after it and she gets rewarded a lot of times. And she's just been able to have that consistent, like, scoring power, I think, for Creighton. And, I mean, there's there haven't been many moments where I've seen her just, you know, make a really errant, like, error, right? Like, I think she's had made uh, she almost killed a She almost killed a fan this weekend, but yeah. Well, I, I yes, I, that, <laughs> there was, like, one ball of this whole yeah. weekend that I remember of. It just, uh-huh. she took her high hands, and, man, that thing soared. Uh-huh. Um, but I think for the most part, she takes really smart, like, calculated risks, which yeah. is hard, especially only as a sophomore. I think that's another thing, like – you're mm-hmm. playing against a bigger block and you had to learn how to get better at hitting high hands and using the edges of the block and getting all those shots developed. And I think she's made that jump from like high school and club to college and using a bigger block and just finding different ways to score really quickly, which is cool to see. Yeah. I think, I think the thing for me is like her combination of like angles and velocity make her really tough to defend. Cause she, mm-hmm. you know, I think in Northern Iowa in particular, and I think even LSU, like, they kind of had a beat on that cross court. Like she doesn't go cross court deep. I don't. So I guess it's still technically what would that be? Zone five? Is that? Is that what? Uh, four. four. It's like between four and five, kind of. Yeah. So she hits that ball a lot, right? Cross court, kind of like middle, just like around the ten foot line area across the court. Um, but she finds a way to get to the floor, even with like a libero sitting right on it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the angle she, the angle she hits that. I think the velocity she's coming at people with. I think it surprises defenders because, like, they're there. They're in position. They know it's her shot. They know it's coming, and then it still finds the floor. Like, you have to be incredibly powerful and accurate to be able to drop that in there when they're scouting you for it. You know what I mean? So that's one thing that's really impressive. But I'm curious, like, this might be hard to articulate in a podcast, but when you're going after hands like she does, what's the process of that, like, sequence? Like, do you see it first? and then get your technique going or do you just know like hands are there so i'm just swinging hard like how does how does that process go when you're you know when she's taking her approach and getting ready to to really bomb one yeah um i mean i think you kind of get into a rhythm of like figuring out where that block's setting up on you because a lot of times like the scout for the other team will be like okay she doesn't hit line as much like we can give her a little bit more Um, you know, versus like, she likes to hit that angle, but still she's able to kind of sneak that like past the blocker's hands. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, I mean, swinging for the edges. Like if you see that block, you're going edges or you're going just outside of it. And as much as you can, um, and a lot, like a lot of times if the balls are coming to you way off the net, it's harder to see that because you're seeing the block later versus if that ball is more in front of you, like in front of like your eyes, right? Like wide. Yeah. Along the net. So I think, I mean, yeah, there's just different things. And she likes the high hand shot. I mean, that's one like yeah. if the ball's on the net. I mean, high hands, maybe they'll get a positive block touch and be able to run it down. But I think she swings so hard that that ball oftentimes is just ricocheted out of reach of anybody. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, I it's it's hard to kind of articulate that, I guess, but you know, I know the rhythm of it, like seeing it and knowing like what you're good at, especially too. Yeah, but the domino effect she creates defensively, like you're talking about there, like it, it, it's really tough because if you're if you're expecting her to go off your blocker's hands and you know a she she has verticality, right? So you know she's going to be up there, and you know she swings hard. So from a if you're a defender, 
and you know you're you, you got to kind of cover your blockers. You know she's not tipping very much, and if she is, that's probably the, you're probably thanking God because that's an easier ball to handle, right? Mm-hmm. But if she's going off hands and you're having to track that, like her, I guess I don't even know what I would call it, but her like ricochet, it's always deep. You know what I mean? She doesn't ever like yeah. it's not ever up. It's not ever like barely sideways. It's always like deep, like out, like over the over the end line, like where you're, where defenders are scrambling into their own bench to track it down. Like if you have to prepare for that, you open up the middle of the floor for everyone else to terminate, right? Like that's where your middles can start getting the slide going, or you know Nora can come in the back row and just like for the donut, you know, like it's her ability to do that is opens up so much of Creighton's other parts of their offense because. You have to expand your defense to defend her, and it it widens the it widens kind of the kill zone for everyone else, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think I mean she swings fast and she swings really hard, um, but she can get on top of the ball too. So if the block isn't yeah. close, if if you're wide waiting for them to get a good block touch, and she just buries it in the middle of the court, I think that's what's yeah. hard to defend is she has all those shots. She swings, you know, quick. Like she gets her arm on the ball fast and swings mm-hmm. really hard through it and. Like you said, she she tries to she hits a lot of times between that four and five zone, and for defenders to defend that, that ball is coming such a short distance from where she hits it yeah. to where the off blockers trying to you know protect their face usually a lot of times right and right. like where their defender is. So I think that too that just makes it hard because she's hitting in spaces where people have to cross a lot of times as well, and that just creates another yeah. element of you know error potentially happening for defense. Yep. So let's uh let's 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 circle the freshman a little bit because uh we talked about Destiny and the way she changed the ball state match. Uh Sydney Breisinger has been really good all year. She got a couple starts uh against LSU and Northern Iowa. And um gosh, I just there's something I love about Sydney's mentality as a freshman. I don't know quite how to describe it, so I probably am gonna fall on my face trying here, but you know, because she's not perfect. Like she'll make a service error or, you know, won't nail the pass or, you know, so get a ball hit right at her and maybe just won't handle it right. And like you can see like that frustration, right? Which is tough because you want to fight your own body language sometimes and not let the opponent kind of see that they've got you a little bit there. But she bounces back so well. I think that's the part that's crazy to me is like she'll make an error, but then, you know, she'll also get teams out of system the next time she goes back there or she'll get an ace. Or two aces in a row she had this weekend too, like I just think I I love her, I love her uh, the way she like kind of perseveres through the adversity of a match, even as a true freshman. I just think it's really impressive, especially as a DS, because you know you're not going to be perfect. Like they're going to get kills on you. That's just the nature of that position, right? Like you're not always going to be able to get the ball up. Um, it's a very like, you know, it's a game of like millimeters when you're trying to dig hard physical attackers. But I just love the way she bounces back. Do you see something in there that like lets you um, lends you to believe that she's going to be a pretty solid DS in this program because of the way she kind of just wipes wipes out failure and moves on to the next point kind of thing? Yeah, I think you saw her have a short memory. I mean, there was one point I think a series of points I remember where she like missed her serve, missed an easy dig and she's still in there. Right. And she has to go back and serve receive. And I think those are points of like, 
you're kind of on display for everyone to see if a server's going right at you. And I think that can be hard at times, um, especially if you've had a couple points where it's like, man, like I missed some easy things or made mistakes that I shouldn't have made. But I think you you saw that short memory from her. And that's good to see, I think, from a freshman, especially. Sometimes I think younger players can get a little bit in their head if if there's a series of points that kind of string together of like, man, like that just didn't go as I planned. But she just bounced back. And I think she's been kind of a solid cog in serve receive all year and defense. And when she's back there and they have their three, you know, DS liberos back there, I think, you know, Creighton's going to have a really good defense behind those blockers. And then Kendra Waite was incredible as well, especially in the UNI match, that title match. Like I thought she was going to get a triple double, maybe a triple double at some point. Cause a, she's like, she, her blocking was really good. So, you know, it's just a matter of like, if she can get ace blocks or not, uh, she was terminating at a really high rate for, especially for a setter, seven kills, you know, on 10 attempts with no errors. Uh, and then she had the 42, 42 dimes and 22 digs, like just an all out baller. Right. You know, we've seen that match from her, you know, she, she was crazy. She was crazy good in the Purdue match. Like, I just think, you know, and now when you see it, like you and I was the title match, right. That was the big match of the weekend. Purdue was the big match of last weekend. And like for her to both be at to be at her best in both of those matches, I think it's like Kendra's a gamer. You know what I mean? Like just he affects the game in so many ways. We talked about it on the last pod. But I think like more than everything else that she does from a skill set standpoint, is like she's a flat out gamer. Like she brings it when it's when the lights are the brightest, when the stage is the biggest, like she shows up, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I think she's probably their best all around player, right? Like Yeah. Throughout their team, I think she does yeah. all skills at a very, very high level. Um, like name a name a weakness, you know. Like she can terminate, she can serve, yeah. she can serve receive, like block, set, just everything. She'll do it all, yeah. And I think, I mean, she's that person too that would do it all. If she was asked to, right? If she was yeah. asked to a different position, so yeah. For her, I think, I mean, she played at a really high level, and um, there were times in other games that she got taken out right to like get a rest yep. and kind of reevaluate what was going on and i thought she came mm-hmm. back in and then once again like just rebooted and said yep okay this is what i need to do like let's be better and let's continue to get better and lead the team and i thought she did that really well yeah she's incredible and she destroyed some chairs too what do you make of that like what where where are you on that because i know it's like it's not smart <laughs> like your body's That's gonna pay for thing. that yeah but at the same time creighton's got a bunch of kids who just do that you know what i mean they don't want the, the ball to touch the floor so they'll run into the scoreboard uh, or scorers table they'll dive into the stands they'll run over to their coaches like they'll sh- you watch kendra too like she sometimes shoves her own teammates out <laughs> like it's so funny watching her kind of like set up she'll like shove people like i got yeah. this you know what i mean like what do you make of like players like that who just have that tenacity to not let the ball hit the floor no matter where it's going they kind of always think it's an opportunity to kind of keep the play alive like, how infectious is that from a defensive standpoint? Because it seems to permeate. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super infectious, obviously. And, like, Kirsten, I think she's like, man, like, you know, but you can't take that away from her. Like, that's just part of, like, who she is as a volleyball player and, like, her tenacious uh-huh. attitude about things, right? So it's like you can't tell her, don't run over things, don't do this, right? Like, you're going to mm-hmm. get hurt. But at the same time, it's like – it creates people that want to go get the ball and lay out for balls and just pursue the ball when they don't even maybe think they can get it up. And so I think it's a positive impact for everybody. And I mean, 
obviously it's also that risk of like like Purdue when she ran over the the scorers table I was like oh my gosh if she gets hurt in like the yeah. second match of the entire season like yeah. that's just bad right so it's yeah just, I don't but know it's, it's one of those things like you said you can't take it away from them because that's it's that's the everything else is taught you know settings yeah. taught servings taught hitting's taught blocking's taught that like that willingness to go and put your body on the line to get a ball up when you might not even win that point because you're I mean, if you're throwing yourself into the stands, you're out of position and now you're outnumbered. Like you're probably losing that point. But the 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 innate willingness to do it, it just speaks to the like the competitiveness. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that fuels everything else. Because you don't get better at skills if you don't have a competitive drive to be better at them. And that is part of like you see that in those plays. Like that's just a diehard competitor. Like she just will do anything to not lose in that moment. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that has a large, long ranging ripple effect, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think so. And she's, she's probably the person on the team that sets the tone in that aspect, right? Yeah. Like she's the person like, I'm going to do everything I can. And I think you see Ellie Bolton do that at times too. Like she's laying 100%. out balls, getting awesome touches on balls that you wouldn't think somebody would get. So I think that those two especially kind of create that drive within everyone else on the team to do whatever mm-hmm. they can to save a point and, you know, save no matter what the score is. That's the thing. Like it doesn't yep. matter what the score is. They're not thinking about that. They're just going to do it every time the same way. And with that same competitiveness. Yeah. They might be the two most important players on the team because of that. Honestly, like I think everything else, like, and that's not to diss anyone that, I mean, I, don't, I know that that's two sided when you say things like that, but I just think they're, it's, it's like, it's rare to see that tenacity. And I think that tenacity like has the ability to feed into every other part of the game and build confidence within, within your team because you know what you're getting out of those, those players. And you said setting the tone, the one thing that was kind of like revealed this weekend in a way, but I think also learned from Creighton's standpoint is, and you, you know this because every team kind of has a different, uh, like dominant personality trait as a group. You kind of know what mindset you need to be in to play at your best, right? Like sometimes loosey goosey is just the way you, you know, go out there and play carefree and that leads to winning. Some other teams need to be like super locked in and focused and like there's no messing around. Like we got to take care of business and we got to be serious about it. And that's the way they win. And this team kind of like, I think figured out this weekend that it's more towards, the ladder like they don't I don't think I don't think we're dealing with a nice team here you know what I mean I think there's nice people on this team but I think when they're between the lines they have to be more like hard-nosed you know detail-oriented focused and I think that's what they 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 said this weekend was like you know so much of what they want to do is about finding like a joy in playing volleyball right but to them, it's like they. I think Ellie Bolton put it perfectly. Like she's like, winning is joy. So we have to do whatever we can to win, and then we'll find joy. So like that's. I think you saw a hard nosed team this weekend. Like, you know, they were smiling, they were having fun, they were celebrating, all that's still there. But when things are maybe going sideways, when a team's on a serving run, or you know, it's not going well, you see like that focus, you see that steely eyed look in their eyes. Like, so I think they figured out like that's the sweet spot for them. 
to be at their best is when they're locked in, you know, and then the fun comes when you play well off of that. What do you make of a team that figures that out, like who they are from a personality standpoint in match, like how they have to approach things? Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think we talked about that too, like when they played at Purdue in that tournament, like we weren't really sure. It's like, do they have the urgency that they need? You know, what kind of personality did they, do they need to have? And the personalities of individuals are obviously important to consider in that. Um, especially a lot of the people that play like big minutes, like your setter, you know, your outsides, those people that are in all the time, but yeah, for them to figure that out like this soon, I think is awesome too, because as much as like playing with joy, like they talked about, like that's very important and to enjoy what you're doing. But if you don't have that, like, switch almost that you can flip of like all right like we need to go I I don't think you can be a successful team because there's gonna be times where you're challenged and if we're just having fun we're just doing this right like that that's great but like we need that spark of energy and you saw that in games too like people came in and brought that competitive spark so I think if the team as a whole can kind of turn that and recognize this is what we need right now like we need urgency we need a little bit of fiery spirit to kind of get on runs and score and compete I think that will serve them really well so I'm interested to see if that changes and if we see that in these future matches um hopefully them giving up less runs right and be able to like turn those things over really quick and just mm-hmm. recognize this is what we need this is the energy we need we all need to be like on the same page of let's have fun but let's do it with urgency let's do it with like competitive fire yeah no i agree cuz like it'll be interesting to see how quickly they harness that and are consistent at it cuz i think the thing with i think the thing where you see confidence like uh start to shake and rattle a little bit is when you know if you're if if like if you're only trying to you're playing for fun and you're playing for joy and you're playing for those good good vibes and good moments when things go bad you don't feel that so if that's where your energy comes from i mean it's it's kind of obvious but if that's where your energy comes from and that's where your confidence is derived from it's it, it would lend you to believe that you're not going to handle adversity well because if you're always looking for the good to give you confidence and to affect your play in a positive way sometimes you just got to be you just got to be kind of like you got to snatch that sometimes like where you're a little bit hard nosed and you're kind of pissed off and you know yeah. you don't need to so that energy can be can be toxic if you don't harness it in the right way but i mean if you're all on the same page knowing that like this isn't personal. We're just, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. So take what I'm telling you right now. Like you got to get that ball up or we got to be sharper here as not a personal critique, but a team wide, like that's what we got to do to be successful thing. And then our celebrations will come from that. It'll be interesting to see how quickly that's harnessed and how consistent that is. I think that will ultimately like kind of untap what this team's like true potential is. And you'll start to see them playing some really high volleyball for extended periods of time you know no matter who they're facing don't you think yeah and I think it's at the point like they've had several matches where like one point becomes two right becomes three becomes four that you're giving up and -hmm. those are points of like we can't give up more than two points like that's our goal right like we're not letting teams go on a run and anything more than two points is unacceptable right like we need to be in the driver's seat of this match and of this set so those are things, um, you know, that they have to address and just recognize. And sometimes just recognizing that, like, 
okay, they've gone on how many point run? Like we need to stop it now. Like sometimes that can make the difference too. Because if yeah. you're just out there and you're like, all right, like let's side it out. Let's do this, right? But it's like, no, like this is what we need to do. Um, and you have people, yeah, that come in and like, I've, I've said this before, but like I played way better when I was pissed off. Like, yep. and that's just like my personality that I was able to harness and score and get kills yeah. and do things positively, right? Like for the team and, but the and team because, knew that. And because you were a leader of the team, that was like everyone understood that when you were in that mode, they had to follow suit, right? Like that's that's the that's the domino effect of leadership, right? When the leader sets the tone, and the tone is what we establish across the board, one through six on the floor, right? Yeah, I think so, and I think you get to that point of like, like they know, like I'm not mad at them, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just want to win. So I think those are things too that you just have to start recognizing with like people's personalities and mm-hmm. how they play at their best, and kind of how that all gels together. And those are the things of like teamwork and like learning new teammates that make it yep. really challenging. Um, but the faster they can figure that out, I think the better off they'll they'll be in the long run. For sure, because they'll be able to like handle. Because they'll be able to adjust any situation because they'll know each other's traits, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ava, Ava Martin got asked uh, how are they going to celebrate this weekend because they obviously won a tournament, right? That's a big deal. Oh. Uh, they beat some good teams. Um, and her answer to how they were going to celebrate was we're going to prepare for Nebraska. Because that's what this week is. Like, it's a quick turnaround. They, You know, you get Monday off. Yeah. Um, so, really, you just have uh, – Tuesday to prepare, to lock in on scout, to get your tendencies right, to, you know, just kind of like polish your tools a little bit because they're probably a little dusty from taking the day off, right? That's the way, that's what athletes' mindset is. They hate days off. Um, and then Nebraska, like they're going to Lincoln. They're going to play in front of the toughest crowd they might play in all season until December. Um, but I think that this is an interesting challenge because – the fact that they've already won in a Big Ten gym against an upper-tier Big Ten team and had to deal with a sold-out environment and a raucous crowd and, you know, have to have to settle emotions down and execute and play high-level volleyball for a consistent period of time, I think is going to – I'm curious to see how it translates. You know what I mean? Because Purdue is really good, and sweeping them in that gym is really hard to do, and they did it. So – I'm curious to see how they handle this one because, you know, short turnarounds, the prep won't quite be as sharp as it usually is. Right. So maybe from a scout standpoint, it's going to be more about just like who can play the best volleyball instead of just, you know, who can scout who, who the best. Um, But how do you think, like, how do you think the Purdue match might affect the Peyton's ability to play at a high level down in Lincoln? Cause you know, that that's a tough environment. Like that's probably one of the hardest environments to play in front of. So it can have an effect on you, can it? Yeah, I mean, I I think they probably have like the best environment in all yeah. of college volleyball. To be totally honest, no, hundred percent. There's not. I don't yeah. even think it's a question. Yeah, like total. Like <laughs> to be totally honest, I think they probably have the best <laughs> atmosphere yeah. of any team anywhere, right? Yeah. So, maybe in I all mean, of college, I'll maybe in all college sports. Honestly, like seriously, like no joke. Yeah, I mean, it is so loud and it's rowdy, and I mean, just their fans are so like intelligent about volleyball right like they just understand the game like they know everything that's going on that place will be sold out like it is every single game so yeah 
yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Purdue match, obviously, it's a little bit of a different, I don't know. It just has a little bit of different hair on it, right? Like, it's yep. in-state. Totally. Driving 45 minutes. Like, it'll be a competitive match. I think we've shown that in the history of this series. Like, it's they've been good matches, typically. Um, yeah, I think, obviously, like, any win is, is a confidence builder for your team, right? And to play mm. Purdue to beat them in their home gym, to kind of be in an environment, obviously, that the fans are rooting against you. I think they haven't really had that, right, of any of the other matches that they've played. So I think that'll be helpful just from being heckled and things like that, like at the service yeah. line. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see kind of what happens. And like you said, a short prep time of just basically one day of practice, and then you're going to play a game. So I'm interested yeah. to see how they come out, especially in that first set, and see like how they settle in. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. And I think the one funny thing that Ava Martin said was that it's going to be scary. And I know (laughs) that's like, I know, I know traditionally, like, when if a player says that, that's probably just going to feed into the atmosphere a little bit more. So you don't want to say that out loud. (laughs) But I think there's something to her saying that out loud. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I'm curious that she's that honest about it. You know what I mean? Like she, I think she, cause I think you're, then you, I think she's not lying to herself about what she's going to face on Wednesday. I think it'd be different yeah. if she was like, it's like, yeah, we played in front of big crowds before it's whatever, you know, we can handle it. Like it's all about just, you know, dealing with the environment and then executing and playing volleyball because they can't do anything about it. All they can do is yell and cheer. Like I've heard that a thousand times and then a team rolls out there and they just get like, you know, dog walked because they're not handling the environment well at all and it's intimidating. But yeah. I think Ava, like admitting that it's yeah, it's gonna be scary. It's gonna be intimidating. Like there's gonna be eight thousand people like screaming at you, cussing at you, making fun of you, like laughing at your failures when it happens. And like how you just wipe that away and get ready for the next point, like is gonna determine how successful you are on that night, right? But I think there's something to her just like blunt honesty about what she's what her and the team are gonna face on Wednesday is it's interesting to me right now because I don't usually hear people be that honest about it, you know? So I think maybe there's like a part of her that is ready to handle it. If she's just like, if they're just honest about how intimidating that environment's going to be and just make it about volleyball, you know, like Nebraska's physical, they defend really well. They serve really well. Like all the components are there for Nebraska to be one of those elite teams that, you know, is going to challenge for a national title. Right. So if you, you know, if Creighton wants to get to that level, they're going to have to match all those things, aren't they? Like, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to nail serves, you're going to have to pass well, you're going to have to defend well, you're going to have to block, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to deal with being blocked, deal with being dug. Like, you know your numbers aren't going to be gaudy, so you're going to have to be able to, under like, build confidence off of just, like, the small things, right? Like, that's kind of going to be how Creighton settles into this match, isn't it? Because it's not going to be, you're not going to see the numbers across the board like we saw against LSU, are we? No, not by any means. And like we talked about, like the top teams are good all the way around, right? Like nice. every position they've got a stud in. And that's what you walk into. Like they're going to mm-hmm. be a really well-trained team. I mean, they're going to do the fundamentals on a very high level. You know, every everybody in every position, no matter if it's right side, outside, libero, DS, like they're top you know, top tier players. And I think that's what you face and you go in there and you're confident in what you've done, obviously, but 
yeah, that atmosphere can play a lot into that. And I mean, a lot of the players that are going to be out there playing in their positions haven't played like at the Devaney Center, right? Like yep. in that match, because you have a lot of youth on this team. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting, like just how they handle everything. Um, obviously, like I think it can be hard to settle in. It's so loud. It's different. Obviously, the depth perception of things is different. It's a bigger arena, whereas they've played in a lot of smaller arenas so far. So, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. There's a lot that goes into it, right? And then at the end of the day, it's it's that series that every single year you play. And so there's almost a little bit of a rivalry there and you're you're familiar and you follow the teams and you're kind of aware of what's going on with each other. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's always a good match, but I think it'll be fun. Like it's one of those things as a competitor though that like you're excited for it because even if it's a little bit scary and a little bit daunting, like those are the the times that you dreamed about playing, right? Like you're playing a great team that plays in the Big Ten. That's a national like powerhouse, really in volleyball, and you get to play in that gym and you get to go compete, and you have nothing to lose. Like everybody is thinking you're going to lose in that mm-hmm. gym, except for you and your team, right? And like your fans, the few that can get tickets, you know. Yeah, so sure. <laughs> it's just all of that kind of goes into it, and I think those are when like the competitive spirits of people come out, like your back's against the wall, just go for it. Like you have nothing to lose. Everyone expects you to lose. So why not, you know, why not just go for it and play your game and play at a really high level? God dang. I think you just like gave the locker room pep talk right there. It's like, that was like Meg the player again. Um, one, I have one last question. Cause I'm curious what you think the impact of this could be, if anything, and if not, then we'll just end the podcast. They played each other in the spring. Um, and I know they didn't release scores or anything like that. And they just kind of like talked about the match itself. Right. But like, you know, from what I've heard, like Nebraska, <laughs> Nebraska dominated set one, right. Like they, they did their thing, but they played three more sets and they were all kind of close. Like, so and the, the part of that that I'm wondering about is Nebraska's whole team was the team that Creighton's going to play on Wednesday was in that match. Like all their freshmen came in early um, the transfers were there. Like Creighton's seen this team already, and they've they've kind of like, you know, volleyball isn't like a contact sport in terms of like running and bumping against each other, right? It's not like football or basketball in that sense, but it is a feel type of sport. Like you do feel a team's physicality. Like we've talked about that yeah. before, you know. So like Creighton's felt them, they know them, they've seen them. The atmosphere is going to be the different variable which is a big one. We've talked, you know, we just talked about that. So that's going to be the different variable from that match to this one. But how, how big of a deal could it be that Creighton has seen this team, you know, just a handful of months ago, they've seen every one of these players already. I think it could be beneficial. Obviously you're just kind of familiar with like people and maybe tendencies. Like, yeah, I remember, you know, when I was matched up against this girl, she went here and did that sort of stuff. I think obviously like both teams have changed a little bit, you know, just in like how they play and just cleaning up things after Mm -hmm. having this much time of like practice. I know both like teams were together this summer too, and we're able to practice and things. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it'll be good. I mean, sometimes just like the shock of being in that new arena if something's familiar I think it'll help you right like you're a little bit familiar with the setter that they have running their offense there and what she likes to do um the right side so and there's some players for Nebraska that have been you know playing in those positions and Creighton has played them obviously every year so 
you kind of learn and remember and I know like Norris is really good friends with Lindsay Krause and that sort of stuff so like there's that connection there of you're Mm -hmm. familiar with what's going on and um you know maybe you've even watched some of their matches and stuff and then you remember playing them and like it's it's a it's a play it's a fair playing field right and so I think you just have to remember that um once you get there and get over kind of the shock of the crowd and the noise and all kind of stuff and just go and play um yeah at the end of the day, it's just another volleyball game, even though, you know, it has a little bit more. You just said it too. God it. dang it. I just said that everyone else, she just went right into it. Yeah. That's, I think the name of the game is going to come down to how Creighton settles into the atmosphere. Cause like, it's going to be something they'd never faced before, you know, I guess the season and for a lot of them ever. Um, so I think that's going to determine, I think, I think it's going to be a good match. Cause I think Creighton's, playing some good volleyball, especially in the areas that they need to to handle a team like Nebraska, right? Like, you have to be able to defend. You have to be able to serve and pass. Uh, you have to be a good blocking team because um, you have to make them low rate, you know, low percentage from a termination standpoint, uh, make them earn points. I think Creighton has done a good job, like, of making teams earn points. And I think that's going to lend itself to a good match if Creighton can settle in and not let like the environment shake them up. So that's going to be kind of my like, the key there. Cause I think, you know, obviously Nebraska is great. Um, but I think Cape Creighton has proven they're capable of playing some really great volleyball too. So if they can handle the environment and not let that affect them, I think we're going to see a pretty good match on Wednesday night. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it turns out. And I think Creighton's maybe played a few tougher teams than Nebraska has played too. So yep. That'll be interesting to see how they come into it um, and just like the level of play to start off the match. But yeah, overall, I think usually it's a dogfight, right? And I think both of Mm -hmm. these teams are situated really well um, on every end, like defense, offense, blocking, everything like that. I think both teams are very Mm -hmm. well-rounded. In some years, I think Creighton maybe isn't as strong as defensively, like as Nebraska is, but I think this year they've proven defense and service passing they started off the year really strong in those areas yeah. so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that battle goes um you know for digs and service uh, reception errors and service aces those sorts of things i think nebraska kind of hangs their hats on like defense but i think this year creighton especially is doing that at a really high level yeah for sure you've talked about that um that's uh all we're gonna kind of touch on for now um after nebraska creighton has another quick turnaround because they got a a shorter tournament um, in back in Omaha at Baxter Arena. They're going to play uh, UNO on Friday night at 7 p.m., and then they're going to have Saturday off, and they'll play Iowa State at Baxter as well on Sunday. So um, still a three-match week for Creighton, but it's just kind of staggered a little bit. They have a quick turnaround for Nebraska, then another quick turnaround for UNO, then another quick turn, then a slower turnaround, I guess it would be from a weekend standpoint, traditionally, against uh, Iowa State. So we will uh, come back at you next Monday, probably, um, and recap all of that. So thank you for tuning in to the Creighton Blue Jay, or Creighton Blue Jay, Creighton Volleyball wrap-up podcast. Um, for Megan Epperson, I'm Matt DeMarinas. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next Monday.